We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about navigating life, love, and relationships, one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 143 of Married Millennials. Is this our I Love You episode? It's it's 143. Oh my gosh. One, you four, would come three, out the gate love, with something love, so love, corny love like that. This, yeah. is, this is our I Love You episode. Yeah, this is what you, you taught me 143 in college. How did you not know what 143 was? Because I, I just grew up saying I love you like a normal person. I, I, I didn't have a hard time expressing my feelings, so I didn't have to say things like 143. Touche, touche. <laughs> yeah, I just said, I love you. <laughs> 1433. You remember that song? What year was that? I don't remember. That was in college, too. But yes, 143, la, 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 love you. I do remember the song. It was I love, la, la, love you. Oh, uh, well. That's, that's the one, right? I forgot. Yes. I, I is the one, then four is the love, three is the you. One, four, three. That doesn't make any sense, actually, now that I think about it. Well, there's one letter in I. There's four letters in love, and there's oh, three letters in you. Okay. It makes a lot of sense. I was thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even going to tell you how I was thinking no, about yeah, it. No, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Just take the L, baby. All right. Just I've take t- the L. <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> uh, I went to tea time this weekend, everybody, and it was really nice. If you know me, you know I love tea so it was really cool to just like sit in the tea room it was actually for my future sister-in-law's bridal shower shout out to you you know who you are uh and they're getting married this year so we get to go to a wedding this year yeah we didn't have any weddings in 2018 yeah i don't think we had one in 2017 either it was like a couple dry years that is true i don't think we did yeah two years in a row we had a good streak from like 2010 to 16 i think we had a wedding every Every year. year ours was in 2015 we had three that year and they all came within like, six weeks of each other? Yeah, they were. Our, our wedding. No, we had four that year, including our wedding. Yeah, that's, there, was, there was a lot going on. So yeah, they had their, they're getting married in, in June. Yeah. Excited for my brother. Yeah. Man, he's joining the married club. It's really exciting. I will no longer be the only married sibling in my bunch. No. And, I was, and I'm the youngest. Yeah. I, 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 I constantly reflect on how young we were when we got married. It just didn't seem like it because we'd been together for so long. But I was 24 when we got engaged. Like, that's a child. You are. And, and it's yeah, funny. I, <laughs> it's so funny you've had this, this realization because I had a similar one when we're talking about life. And beforehand, I remember when I was like 26, 27 years old, I used to always say that you, know, you were grown and then I look back to now, here I am on the heels of 30, and I now say, like, I'm so young. Yeah. Like, I have so much time still left to discover who I am, find my voice and my place in the world, and accepting my youth. Whereas yeah. when you get in your late 20s, you think you're, you're old and knowledgeable because you've been sitting under the, the world's rules for so long for 22 years you've been under the the world's rules so you get out of that you start forming your own identity you get a job you get your own place yeah you you start you have it all figured out yeah you start voting the way you want to vote you (laughs) you act however you want to act if you want to drink whatever you want in the middle of the day if you want to have a spirit at at lunch you can do that so you have this grownness quote unquote about you and then again, it's like you get to here on the hills of 30, you realize I, I'm really young and I still have so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. And when I think back to when we got engaged, I was 25 years old, you were 24. And 
we didn't know anything. I, I no. will say the one thing I did know is I did know I wanted to marry you. It, same. And that, yeah. that I wanted to, to start my life with you. Yes. That I was very confident about at that right. age. But aside from that, you like, know we anything. didn't know a damn thing. But I will say when we got engaged, I was happy that we weren't getting married till a year later, even though I hated waiting that year. But I knew for the sake of my maturity, I needed that time to kind of get to a place where I was prepared to be married. But yeah, by 25, I was married. Yeah, like, that's, that's young. insane. Especially now in, in Los Angeles in particular. Yes. For those who don't live in you know, the major cities like LA or New York. Yeah, it's like 25. Like, yeah. I don't know many 25-year-olds in L.A. at I don't think I can name one 25-year-old that I know in Los Angeles who's engaged or married. No. Not one. In Los Angeles, no. No. Our neighbors. No, well, oh, they're not 25. No, they're, 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 they're older. They're grown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're super grown. Uh, I think that most 25-year-olds in Los Angeles, I hear say, everyone wants to do everything at 30. And I so badly want to talk to them about how that's going to work out. Like, they want to get married and have kids at 30. But then they want to get married and have a little bit of time, like, before kids. So your math is off a little bit? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, okay. So if you're 25 now... At 30, you want to for sure be married, but you're not taking any dating seriously, then like you have to readjust that because you don't know. Like, if you're not taking dating seriously, then you're less likely to meet and or recognize the real thing when you get it. And then you date for a while, typically. And by the time you get engaged, you have to plan a wedding, unless you're going to do the courthouse, which I encourage. Because <laughs> weddings are expensive, y'all, and they're just getting more and more expensive. I was talking to a friend who's also planning a wedding this year, and he was talking about all these costs that are coming up that they just did not anticipate. So they're getting eaten alive by all these things. And uh, we talked about, again, that thing where your life gets put on hold because... You know, you see a good price airline tickets and you're like, let's just jet out real quick. And then you go, oh, no, actually that money should go towards the wedding. Like just this little things like that where you just, you're like, it's put on hold. Um, but anyway, what was I talking about before that, Justin? You know I can't go on tangents. Why'd you let me go on a tangent? I really don't remember what you were talking about. You were talking about tea time. <laughs> I, I was originally talking about tea time, and then we started talking about wedding stuff and getting married and all that. And I can't remember where I was going with it, so you just have to accept You're going to accept that this that is the flow. I lost my thought, everyone. <laughs> the flow of the conversation. It, but I want to touch on something that you brought up really quick since you've steered the, the boat left. Yeah. Is you're talking about people who have this idea of oh, that's what I was talking wanting about. to date Numbers. and be married yes. at a specific age. And the the problem with putting a finite number on finding your partner or having a kids is that instead of having the right situation, you pick the right now situation. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you do something that's right now and not necessarily right, it may work for a period of time. And it may work forever, but you run a greater risk of putting yourself in a situation that may not be as fruitful as it could have been if you position yourself more strategically and open yourself to saying, instead of I have to find somebody at 30, it's changing the narrative to saying, I want to be in the right space mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to receive the right person at 30. Mm -hmm. 
or so, by 30. Or by 30. So then at that point, you're not saying I have to be married at 30, but I'm, I'm opening my mind. I'm positioning me as the person, as the individual. I'm positioning myself in a space in this world to be open to receiving what is out there and what's best for me. Mm-hmm. So then I may not necessarily be married until 32, and I may not have my first child until 33, but in just that, that quick little mind, that shift. That mind shift, you can drastically change the outcome of, of your current situation. And that's what I'm continually, continually learning. As we spoke about last week, as I'm really focusing on not only releasing all expectations of everything that goes on in life, but also being present. And I realize that it, it's a two-part approach. It's like in releasing, it forces you uh, to be present. And in the present moment, you get to really just see and enjoy and take in everything that's happening. And then you realize how much can change in such a short amount of time. I was scrolling on Instagram this weekend and Yvonne Orgy had posted a, a picture of her and her, she and her real estate agent, and she just purchased a house. And she said, four years ago, I was shopping at the 99 cent store, and here she is probably buying a multi-million dollar home in Los Angeles. Four years, you can look right now. That's leaps and bounds. And move back to four years. That is not a lot of time. Joy and I are going on our fourth year of marriage. We'll be celebrating our four-year anniversary in August. I know it's eight months away. <laughs> but... Four years. Like we look at and see what we've done, and we have grown tremendously in that amount of time. But if you look at time on a spectrum, four years is a blip. That's high school. Yeah. After time in college, yeah, that a lot can happen, a lot can change. But as far as life goes, that going four from years a nine, the ninety-nine cent store to a million, million dollar, dollar home. home in Los Angeles. That take. And if she would have said in four years. I need to be an owner of a million-dollar home. I wonder if she would have been able to purchase that million-dollar home. My, my gut tells me no, but yeah. I don't think that was her, her goal. Her goal was, well, I'm going to focus on my craft for the next four years, put myself in a position right. to succeed, right. and all of a sudden now you this, reap the benefits. this end goal comes to you, mm-hmm. but it wasn't focused on that specific time and that specific goal per se, but it just allows, the, the, just allows a little bit of, of mind shifting. Yeah. To occur. Amen to that. I, I accept that on this this glorious raining morning. <laughs> so back to your back to your, your numbers. You said you were talking about numbers. Is there something you wanted to say in relation to that? When I tell you that I cannot remember, like it's just you know, I I've accepted that it's gone. I need all of you to accept that it's gone too. Uh, I originally started talking about tea time. I just want to say that tea time is a fun thing to do. They give you little sandwiches and uh, a scone. And you can you can have get vegan options, of course, and and just you know you have all these different kind of flavors of tea. It's like a tea tasting, like wine tasting, but it's tea tasting. So if you like tea, go have tea time with your girlfriends. You know what's interesting? Would would a group of men go tea? I was gonna say I was just that. I was like, is that or is? Because I was just thinking in my head, I was like, is that a activity that is pretty much exclusive to women? I, I I'm, I'm not I'm not gender typing or there or being was a man there, here. but he was by himself. Okay, like, I just I just wanted to know like is that something? It's never crossed my mind you, are at you, all. Do you? But you don't. Really I don't like really care tea for like tea. That. Yeah, but if you if you're a tea drinker, and, maybe and you're if a guy, you're a tea drinker, I I. But don't would think, you go? Like, would a group yeah, like, of guys go? Is it a traditionally go? masculine thing to do? Probably not. Not in the U.S. Maybe in the U.K. It is like because it's more popular over there and i'm not even sure how popular it is over there or if it's a thing that we've deemed to be popular over there um 
But yeah, I mean, lots of cultures enjoy tea. For sure. It's like, it's, it, tea, tea, tea is, is popular here too, but I'm just saying as far yeah, as. Yeah, but like even in Japan, I'm saying like tea is, is tradition Got in it. a lot of places. So I do think like in some, some areas of the world, it's probably super normal, but I don't know if in America, a group of men are like, hey, you trying to go to tea time? Like, <laughs> I, I'm just not sure that that happens and, and I don't, often. And I don't really know if there's anything that's exclusively for men as far as an activity goes. Men frequent bars, but women go to bars too. Women go to clubs like men go to clubs. But men, women do daytime things, I think, more than men do. True, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to you think. you guys could do brunch. You could do a men's brunch. No, we, we do brunches, but now, now I'm thinking, I'm, and I'm not going to take time away from here on the show, but if you guys can think of, you listeners can think of... Golf? Any activities? No, women golf. There's the LGPA or the LPGA, so that, that's definitely not sports. There's there's okay, sports saying, played from both sides. No, so that that doesn't. But you're count. saying what? But it's traditionally pretty male. Back to what I was saying. If All you right. guys can think of an activity that is exclusively for women or exclusively for men, I'd just be interested to know that, just from a a social understanding point. Because when you said that, I was like, I would never ever think to. Yeah. Go have tea. I don't think it's exclusively for. I think it's just predominantly. The vast majority. Uh, yeah. But you can't compare that to sports because there are there's a women's side of every single sport. There's there's even a, a woman's football. I'm league. talking about casually. If you go, if you're like, hey, we're gonna tea times at eight AM, we're gonna go hit the what's it called? The, the links. The, okay, sure. We're gonna go hit the links. <laughs> why is it called the links? Because the holes are linked or something? I don't know why okay. it's called the links, to be honest. So with you. we're well, they're not linked. It's not like what's it called? Miniature golf if it comes out the other side. Anyway, so we're gonna go hit the links at eight AM. How many women groups of women do you see out there? Not a lot. Yeah. So not not early in the morning, but there's a, a large number of women. I know there are women who golf. Who golf. I, I understand that, but I'm just saying that it's I get I get what you're saying. It's not an activity I hear of women doing often like For sure. hey, we're gonna tea times at eight, we're gonna hit the links. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know of a lot of women that that's happening for. I know that some women are doing that, but I think this is just a good example of, of you shouldn't use sports as a reference for anything <laughs> because your your knowledge base when it comes to sports is yay sports. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. But so I sat here while you watched football yesterday. You did. And I, I appreciated it. I had it, I had it on low. And so, I appreciate so you didn't that. have to hear all guys, the, the whistles really and the sounds. I do not like sports noise. Like it, it grates my nerves. I don't know what it is. I don't like the sound of the announcers, the color commentators. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Yes, see, I got it. Uh, the the whistles, the crowds. It's like I don't know. It irks me, which is probably everything you love. But it just is like it's. Uh, it's not enjoyable white noise for me. It's, it's and it's, it's not very e- jarring. It's not even a, a sound I love. It's a sound I grew up with. Right. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was working at my last job, we hosted a lot of tournaments and camps. I worked in the basketball industry, and I remember when I no longer worked there, I had texted one of my my friends who still works for the company, and I was saying I would be completely fine if I never heard the sound of a whistle again. <laughs> I genuinely, and I still play in men's leagues, yeah. and obviously there's a whistle. I still watch basketball, football on TV. There's whistles all the time but being in a gym you know for example we worked at a facility 25 basketball courts imagine from 8 a.m to 7 p.m there's games happening on 20 to 25 courts and that means there's just 20 to 25 whistles being amplified and there's two refs on each court so if 25 courts are going that's 50 whistles that have the potential to be blown at the same time and then you got kids screaming and running and that was a cacophony 
Yeah. And it's something I got used to. And you're just like, you're drowned and swimming in I can't noise. I used to that. And when I was no longer working there, I was just like, I am completely content if so I never have to be in that environment again. that's what sports on television sounds like to me, but it's in my home, so I feel trapped. <laughs> I'm like, why is this noise happening? So, But I support you and your interest. And thank you for supporting me and mine because this week I gave my version of a, a TED Talk is what I'm going to call it because it was... It's my dream to one day give give a TED Talk. You too, right? Absolutely. Uh, Justin didn't know about this for a long time, but it's it's I want to do it. And I want to do it on mental health and self-care. And I was asked to speak to a group at work, which is basically like, should I say like our BSU? Yeah. Like, I mean, it really is. It's like kind of BSU for my, my company. Uh, and there is about... 25 people there, and I spoke on the importance of mental health and self-care, and I, I gave my story, which was super liberating. I've told my story to plenty of people before. I've told bits and pieces of it to you guys, but to be able to uh, get it all out in one chunk to a group of people was exhilarating. I was like, yes! And not only was it awesome because I was able to share my truth, but what it did was encourage other people to share their truth. And I was nervous that after I said everything, uh, it would be crickets, right? That we, I, I would say, does anyone have any questions or uh, want to share their story? And people would be nervous. But what happened was because I was so vulnerable and I shared the ickiest parts of, of what I've been through with my mental health journey, it allowed people to share their icky parts and it was so healing. Like a couple people left asking for the uh, therapy information and a woman ended up confessing that she'd been going through things and she th thought it was time to get some help. And uh, it was just wonderful and healing for everyone involved. And then I heard someone say after, like this was just a great way to start the top of the year and to know that I led that discussion was just amazing and not even in a, a ego stroke way but I just genuinely in my heart of hearts want to help people live their very best life and, and in the process I want to live my best life too but I know that mental health is something that can really get in the way of that and the way that it creeps in you don't even know that it's happening so yeah that was just I mean super exciting Super exciting. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. My baby's on the stage speaking to people, sharing a, stage stage. sharing a similar yeah. similar passion. You're on the stage. If you're yeah. if you're standing in front you're, of people, you're speaking. You are on the stage. That yeah. is that is what we, we call it. It, was, it may not be a stage of thousands, but you're still on the stage. Yeah. You're commanding the attention of the audience. It was great you're, though. You're a speaker. To to because I've only ever spoken with Justin and I told him I actually liked not talking with you better. Because Justin's energy, I you've heard me say, is like very strong. His presence is, is powerful and palpable. And mine is too, but it's just in a very different way. And I have no interest in talking over Justin unless we're talking like this. And then I will talk over him all day. <laughs> all day. All day or day. But if we're presenting, if we're talking, I'm just like, okay, like he's clearly really wanting to talk right now. So I'm going to let him go. Uh, but yeah, I just, I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing this on my own. 
And I, and I enjoyed and it, it too. And it's my own lane too, so I had plenty to say. I, I enjoyed yeah. seeing it happen. And it's yeah. good for you know, what, what has been good in this process of discovery over this last three years of doing Love Jays is understanding and finding our own passions mm-hmm. and topics and lanes that we can speak about. Mental health and wellness is Joy's jam. Yeah. She's an expert in the field. She she won't call herself an an expert. You know, but I tell her I said you've dealt with mental health mental health trauma, I don't know the word I want to use, but a, a mental health battle for damn near 15 years. You've also have taken years to study and read books. You've your experience was something for and 15 years yeah. and you got help. You're an expert. If you work in an industry or in a field for 15 years, I'm going to probably call you an expert in your field. It's weird that my experience is the actual illnesses themselves, though. Like, but I know, but there's... Oh, I was sick, so I'm an expert. <laughs> but you can understand it. You yeah. sought help. You can speak to it in a way that I can't speak to. Right. I can study it. I can learn about the brain. I can learn about the different types of mental illnesses or the different types of mental diseases that people battle, but I've never experienced it or lived it. So I don't have the same level of expertise that you have. So Joy was like, oh, it's just nice to say it. I was like, no, you're a mental health expert. Hey, own it. Talk about it and say it. No, you may not have a degree. As I told her, you know, I'm not a licensed professional. That's right. okay. You don't have to, you, I'm not a licensed professional, but I am an expert. Let's make this clear. Okay. So my baby was out here just giving expertise, <laughs> knowledge on mental health and wellness, and I was so excited. To, I genuinely helped to, you guys to watch I'm the video. Serious, like this is I, I'm just geeked because I helped some people for sure. But yeah. I've I've been saying that you have helped me along my journey, and and seeing yeah, you, you own your story, and that's the the most powerful part of the, the most powerful lesson of this entire experience is realizing how much power is in your own story. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that you were able to go on stage. And just be you and tell your story in an open, candid, vulnerable, honest way. People relate to that. Mm -hmm. If I go and pay $500 to hear the world's leading expert speak on mental health and they break down all of this on a scientific level, the different steps, how to get treatment, here are the facts and give me all of that. And you pay $500. This is the leading mental health expert who has three PhDs, has published books, has done all of this work, you listen to him speak or you listen to her speak, and then somebody comes on the stage afterwards and then just tells their story in a uniquely powerful way. I would be willing to bet every dollar that I own that everyone in the audience would connect and relate more to the person who told their story than someone who presented a bout of research. Yeah, that's fair. And the, the experience re- is the greatest teacher. That's, it is. That's the Because yeah. what people want to know is that you've gone through it and you've gotten to the other side. Yeah, which was in my speech. <laughs> I, I, that's what I want to know. Okay, you're presenting all this great information. Thank you for the facts. But have you lived this? Have you walked with the pain that I'm currently living with? Have you felt that pain? Do you know what it feels like? Yeah. Do you know what it feels like when you wake up? Do you know what it feels like when you're sitting at your desk in the middle of the day? Do you know what it feels like right before I'm going to bed? Have you had that pain? Right. Okay, you've had that pain and you've worked through that pain and now you no longer experience that pain? What'd you do? What did you do? That's the person I want to talk to. Yeah. So there, there, there's so much power in telling your story and being authentic and being vulnerable. And that's why we preach so often in relationships. 
Because you have to be vulnerable with each other because through vulnerability comes growth. Mm-hmm. Like through the, the brokenness comes, comes healing. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you, you, you don't fix something that, that's not broken. The term fix or healing does not apply to something that's new and shiny. When you say something's been healed or something's been fixed, it's been healed or fixed because it was previously broken. As humans, we are broken. That, that's, we just live in a, in a society where we're constantly in our head and our thoughts and we're creating our own ideas. So we have broken parts of our life. The only way we can heal is identify and accept and understand that we're broken and then do the work to become healed, to become whole, to become new. So then we don't have to be broken anymore. But that, that's, that's the only way healing can happen is through the acceptance and the vulnerability of our brokenness. And that's why people related to what you said. I appreciate that, babe. <laughs> I appreciate that you gave a TED Talk on my TED Talk. <laughs> I was like, okay, man. It's just, but it's, it's true. This morning, I like it. It's, I'm just such in a space that, you know, I can get emotional talking about this. I'm just really in a space of, of being committed for 2019 and every year beyond and every day beyond. It's just to be so present in every moment and to embrace all that comes to us, good, bad, indifferent. But to understand that everything is a part of your story and all the learning that comes from those experiences. And if you can accept and understand and recognize what those experiences do from you, do for you, and then study and realize how they can be improved upon or how you can work them and tool them to be the best version of you and then be able to share that information with other people. Powerful. It's powerful. It's so powerful. I'm going tell you this book that I'm reading. I'm not going to tell y'all again this book. If you follow me on social media, you may get glimpses of it. Yeah. It's, it's our book club but it's book. The, it's the guys. book club. If, if, if you really want this, I'm telling you this book. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you purposely because I, I want you to join the book club. Is This book has, is changing my life page by page. Mm-hmm. I'm out here writing paragraphs in my notes. Because I go to the library and check out books, and I just think it's disrespectful to annotate a book that's not yours. Yeah. So I that's, make that's correct. Good, good job. <laughs> just very disrespectful. <laughs> so if you're that person, don't be that person. Um, so I take notes in uh, on my on my phone for all books that that I read, and I'm sitting here opening the book, putting it on my lap, and I'm writing word for word paragraphs because it's just so much knowledge. And you hear Joy talking about her TED Talk and the passion that she has for wellness and mental health. This weekly, weekly wellness newsletter is powerful. Joy talked about how she's switching it from sending out every week to switching it out to sending it out just monthly. Uh, but there's also weekly challenges embedded in the monthly yeah. newsletter. So we're still calling it a weekly wellness newsletter. So if you want to like really like move along this journey with us and just grow and be present and, and understand and own your story... We need you to. We need you to join us. Sign up. It's not too late. If if you subscribe to the newsletter, even now, you will get this month's newsletter, and you'll see what book it is, and then you can join our book club, and and join our our Zoom. It'll be a Zoom call. Yes, it'll a be Zoom a Zoom call, call at the end of the month. In addition to the weekly wellness newsletter, we also created a Facebook group called Married Millennials. <laughs> Joy and I are, are focused on you're just creating community and we wanted to take our community, the platform that we've created with this podcast and move it into a form where we can engage with each mm-hmm. other. So if you are currently engaged or you are currently married and you're listening to the show, uh, 
We encourage you to sign up and join our Facebook group. It's called Married Millennials. It is a closed group, but it is searchable. So it's not a, a hidden group. You can yeah. just search Married Millennials. I'm pretty sure the, the URL is facebook.com slash group slash Married Millennials, spelled just like it is on this show. And it's a space where we can just talk about what's going on in around marriage and society, topics that relate specifically to us. The group is relatively small now, but we're going to continue to grow it. And this is this group is not designed for Joy and I to just drop things in here and talk. It's it's a way to engage and communicate with other millennials. Yeah, we want to create a dialogue. Yeah, and create a space where we can have healthy conversations that relate specifically to married folks. So if you are not married, this group is not for you. It is exclusively a space and for, engage, isn't yes, engaged? And for yeah. engaged and married couples. And there will be questions you have to, to submit uh, to be approved into the group. Uh, so it's, it's, this really is just a, a safe space to be able to talk about what's going on. Um, so all of our married folks out there and our engaged folks to, and to join that group and, and, and engage in the conversation. If you have something that happened in in, in your week and you want to talk about it and yeah. you want to ask questions and get some feedback from other married people on how they work yeah. through it, that's the point of this group. Yeah. So it's come on. It's also the point of the show. But again, if you are talking to the group, you get more than just our opinion. It's like, oh, actually, this is what worked for this couple and this is what worked for that couple. And I think that we, if we fuse those two things, that this could potentially work for us. So I think half of being married is just know that what you're going through is pretty normal. You're not alone. Yeah. It's helped us to, you know, if we're airing out some issues that we've had and the feedback that we get from you guys is like, oh my gosh, we had the same issue and we thought we were alone. Like it made us feel better that you guys talked about this thing. It makes us feel better that you said you're having that issue too. Uh, Yeah. So it's just, you're not alone. Well, And too, for us is in our immediate circle, we don't, really have any married friends no. those who are married are older than us yeah but so people our age who are yeah. in our circle none of our our circle of friends are married so it's also a, a space for us to be able to connect and talk with other individuals who are in similar relationship statuses right. that we are and there's the, some things that we just can't talk to our single friends about right. not that we couldn't talk about it but they just have a different perspective because yeah. they're not living they're our not experience yeah which is totally fine it's totally fine and I want to say, too, it's not just for, like, if you're having an issue. It's, like, it's a good place to share your wins, too. Like, hey, this is a relationship win we had um, that we we just want to celebrate with you. And I want to emphasize that, not just in the group, but in general, is creating spaces where we're just not complaining and being solution-oriented mm-hmm. and providing a, a safe space to just talk and progress and move forward with situations and and I just think right now we're in a climate where a lot of conversation is happening but there's also a lot of blaming that's happening and a lot of finger pointing that's happening and if we continue to have conversations without solutions all we're doing is creating more negative energy around a negative stimuli which is only amplifying the negativity right I understand that we have to address the negativity and turn the negative into a positive, but if if there's no steps to move that, that negativity in, in a positive direction, and we're just going to continue dousing and fueling the fire with more negativity, it's only going to grow 
more wild right. and more crazy. Well, and I noticed that because I logged on to Facebook this week just to uh, you know check in on the group, invite people. And I'm going to do a better job of logging into Facebook since we did start uh, this group. <laughs> Got to bite the bullet. <laughs> Social media it up. I'm like, can I move Facebook groups off of Facebook? <laughs> How do I do that? Because that news feed is destructive to my, my well-being. But anyway, what I noticed is, because I did scroll a little bit, is that there are people who I think are trying to be positive on social media. And they're in their mind, they're opposing this thing that's bad, right? It's like, okay, like, like for lack of a better thing to bring up, like let's just say the presidency, right? They bring up who, who's currently in office, and but through bringing it up the way that they're bringing up, there's hostility, behind what they're saying. So you can't even receive what they're saying in a way where you feel positive about it or hopeful. You just feel mad. Like, oh, well, now I heard this thing and I'm mad where I know that that person's intention wasn't to piss people off or make them angry, especially people who who are looking to feel better in these times too. Like their intention is to probably either inform or let them know let their their followers know that they don't agree with what's happening, right? Which you would think is positive. Like, hey, I know this bad thing is happening and I don't agree with it and I just want you to know. But the way that people go about it, the the emotion that that's behind everything is just hostile and pretty negative. And I just, I'm not sure people are recognizing how, how the source of what they're communicating, where it's coming from. So I challenge you this week as you're sharing things on social media or even creating your um, caption for photos to think about the source of where it's coming from. Is this coming from a place of love? Is this coming from a place of you know, wonderful intention, not just good intentions, but like wonderful intention? Is, is what I'm posting going to enhance other people's week? And if the answer is yes, post away. And if it's no, retool it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you also made a, a really good point that you didn't say in that is in digesting your news feed, you, you mentioned that you don't believe everybody needs a platform. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I understand that America, this is America and it's freedom of speech and it's your Facebook. You could say what you want or Instagram, but I don't think that everyone needs to say everything they're thinking all the time. I think that because we have these platforms, we can instantaneously say what we're thinking. Our thoughts are not refined in any way. You're just, it's like word vomit. It's like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Like you didn't have a chance to comb through what you were feeling or why you are feeling it. You just impulsively share or impulsively post. And it's, detrimental to people because those impulses are are put out there and people are interacting with them for better or for worse so again it's just it's another way in which you need to be mindful that's it and i don't think everyone out there is willing to be mindful <laughs> and uh you know when we met with our our friend in new york and she was saying uh a post she saw on instagram ruined her day like for real and then like you know we kind of laughed and then she told us what it was I was like oh that is a day ruiner like that it was traumatic it was a traumatic thing that she saw and she had no preparation for it it just was on her feet so yeah be mindful everyone well there's a social responsibility that we all have with such a, a powerful tool and I 
and I believe the executives and the creators of these programs are going to have to t- figure out some way, a way to, to enforce it. Understand that there's a responsibility that goes with their platform. I mean, Facebook's an amazing tool that yeah. has connected millions of people across the globe. You see how much good comes out, and the, the media does a tremendous job of highlighting all the negativity, and sometimes that overshadows all the positive that comes with with Facebook, with Twitter, with Instagram. I mean, you can look through, and there's probably 10 times more positive that comes than the negative, but we as a society just focus on the negativity. But in understanding when you create something so powerful is that you have a responsibility to realize how powerful your machine is and to find a way to balance and engage and, and ensure that your platform still remains a positive place. And I understand that when you have billions of people using something, that's extremely, extremely difficult to, to, yeah. to, to manage. And I don't want to be naive. They have yes. different opinions. Yeah. And I don't want to be that naive. That trying to be positive. And, and, and say like, oh, that's an, an easy fix. But it's just something that we have to be mindful as people when we're going out there that's creating these, these tools that enhance society is that we have to also realize there's a responsibility that we have in our life and it comes to interacting and moderating these platforms and sticking with and speaking about responsibility this weekend I was having a really good conversation with a family member of mine and he is just broken for a lack of a better word has a, a lot of pain that he is living with and has not been able to find the right paths or the right avenues to seek help to relieve that source of pain or really to identify his source of pain. And through our probably two-hour discussion at the house where it, it kind of buttoned up with is, is I was telling him as he's, as he's explaining you know, his story and, and what's going on in his world, you know, I, I said to him, I said, you have to be able to accept what has happened in your past. And I'm not going to tell you that your feelings are not valid or your feelings are invalid and you are wrong for feeling what you feel. You feel what you feel. Rather, whether we agree or we don't agree, there are your feelings. I didn't live your past, so I can't tell you that the way you feel based on your past is wrong. All I can tell you is everything in your past cannot be changed. There's nothing you can do right now that can change what happened yesterday. It's not possible. So you've been living on this this world for 30 plus years and you've experienced a lot of pain. Some of that pain may not be as magnified as you have made it or may not be as big as you've now magnified it to be, but there's still pain in your life. But I need you to understand that the only way you're going to be able to move forward from that pain is to accept all that pain. And recognize that that pain is a part of my life. That pain is a part of my story. And now I have a responsibility to admit that pain and accept that pain and then go find the appropriate avenues to work through that pain and realize that today I have the decision to change my actions. I have a decision to no longer allow my past to dictate my present and dictate my future. It's always going to have an influence. Everything that we do every single day is going to influence what happens tomorrow, but it cannot control what happens tomorrow. And in this conversation, when we're going back and forth for hours and I just hearing his, his rebuttals and I was like, everything you're rebuttaling me with is blame. And I understand that some things are not your fault. 
remember we, we talked about Will Smith's video, Fault First Responsibility. Yes, there's, there's pain here. You're, you didn't do this. You're not in the wrong. But it's your responsibility now. It's a part of your life. It's your responsibility to deal with how you're going to move forward with this situation. And it, it was nice at the end of this two-hour conversation. I think we had a breakthrough. <laughs> I, I think we had a breakthrough. And there's a lot. I mean, the layers of pain are, are deep. Yeah, it's and, a lot of And I'm not expecting tomorrow life is going to be drastically different for this person. But what we left, and it also helped me, is to, to realize how easy it is to place blame on everyone and everything. It's so easy. And the reason why we do it is because it, it allows us to deflect responsibility. Mm. Oh, it's your fault. And Joy had a beautiful analogy uh, that, that she talked about in relations Ooh, to, the, yes. uh, to the story. I'll let you share. Okay. So my, my analogy for letting the past control your future is this. If somebody comes over... In, in, in regards to fault versus re- responsibility. Let's say somebody comes over to your house and they break your TV and then they leave and you're expecting them to come back and fix your TV and they don't. For 20 years, they do not come back. Over those 20 years, there's all these shows you want to watch. Like there's so much happening on TV. Everybody knows it's the golden age of television, right? And you walk around, people ask you, have you seen the show? You go, no, because uh, so-and-so came over 20 years ago and broke my TV and they never got me a new one, so I just have a broken TV. Like, that, that, sounds, that sounds insane. Like, why, why didn't you just, like, once you realized they weren't going to fix your TV, why didn't you just go get, because it's just the principle of the matter. They should have fixed my TV, but they, but they didn't. So you're just going to miss out on... On, on life, right? In this case, it's the golden age of television. You're going to miss out on the golden age of television because someone else broke your TV 20 years ago and out of stubbornness and, and hurt feelings, you decided, I'm not going to fix this. I'm going to wait till they admit they were wrong and they come back and they fix this. Doesn't make any sense. You can go buy yourself a new TV and, and, and that means you can go work through the pain. You don't have to be hurting because someone hurt you. No. You're yeah. real. I don't even want to say you, we, because I've been in this narrative myself. Everybody has. We are robbing ourselves Mm -hmm. of experiencing the golden age of life Mm -hmm. because we are expecting and blaming other people and other things from allowing us for having our best, most present life. Would it be great and ideal if people who hurt us along the way accepted responsibility for their pain? Absolutely. It would be great. And it may make our ego feel better. But does that change anything? No, it, no. D- it doesn't change anything. They can come and say, I- I- I'm sorry. But at the end of the day, it is still a responsibility that comes on the individual who was burdened with the pain to decide how are they going to move through this pain. Yeah, how they can move Am forward. I going to live in this pain? Or am I going to learn from this pain and move in a way that I don't have to experience this pain in the same way? And I liked when you said uh, about accepting that you aren't responsible for things you weren't responsible for. Yes. And that, yeah. that's, that's a, a big thing. And I, I told him and you know, he was getting emotional. And I would say, you, you have to accept that some things you are not responsible for. You have to re- accept responsibility for things that you aren't responsible for. And it's not fair. And that's where I looked at him and said, you're, you're, you're looking for a, a fairness in life and a, and a constant comparative tool. Life's not fair. 
things happen, experiences happen for one person that are different than the others. All of us are here on this earth to live and experience something different and something new. Our life's purpose and our life's mission is different for every single person. So to compare why person A is experiencing this while person B is experiencing something different is a complete waste of time. Mm -hmm. We're not here to talk about fairness. Life's not fair. But life is uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. And that's the fairness of it is that this is you your life. What to do and with you it. can choose how you move through these experiences. Some are good, some are bad. And I and, and I'm not here to, to downplay any of that pain. You know, as I told him, I, I'm I'm not here to say I understand your pain. Because I didn't live your pain. I, I can't say, Oh, I, I understand. I get it. I don't understand. Because I don't have similar pain. But what I do understand and the pain that I have is if I don't accept and embrace that pain, I'm going to continue living in pain. And he's lived in pain for 30 plus years. And I, was, I encouraged him mm-hmm. before he left. I said, you have to make a decision. You can continue living in pain or you can live pain free. And that's what Joy essentially talked about with, with her, her wellness jersey, her wellness journey is that she lived in pain for years. And then she decided that it was her responsibility to heal her pain. And now she's no longer living in pain. Does she sometimes, you know, have a little, a little, ooh, that's, ooh, that's a little stinger. And, and you, you can access that pain, but it's not a living, breathing pain yeah. hovering over our world. It's not something I carry on my back every day. So stop carrying unnecessary things on your back. We carry backpacks, we carry emotions, we carry feelings, we carry the weight of the world on our back unnecessarily. Uh, and that's why my practice for, for this year is to, to release all of that emotion that's been in my backpack. No baggage. No bags. No bags. I, I'll carry what I need in my backpack, and that's all I got. So when you ask me how I am today, what I'm doing today, I'm going to give you today's answer. Tomorrow's could, answer could be completely different, but all I'm going to be able to give you is today's answer because that's all I'm bringing into each day is today. That's it. That's all I can give you. I can't speak to tomorrow. I can't speak to yesterday because I let yesterday's bag at home, and tomorrow's bag is yet to be packed. So take off the baggage and let's live more free and live more present. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review. And of course, share it with your friends. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. You can head over to our website, lovejays.com, and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.